The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by Church Comm Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, Church Comm Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church online is not a a Hebrews 10 issue. It's a Mark 16 issue where Jesus says, go into all the world and, and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. normal. What does that even look like anymore? And I know churches are in a big hurry to get back to it, that's for sure. But I doubt that what we once knew as normal will ever be normal again. We have to reframe it. We also have to reframe how we accomplish goals and tasks going forward. In the business world, we call that work. In the church world, it's called ministry. We have to reframe what ministry looks like in this era of the church because the world will never be normal again. In-person church attendance has already been on the decline for the last 20 years, and although it isn't going away, that in-person experience, many have adopted a more digital lifestyle that the church has struggled to keep up with. Yet church leaders are scrambling to get members back to church, even though they've barely scratched the surface sometimes of what online and digital ministry can do. And it communicates they may not be trying, which is concerning. So even in the way we make announcements or send emails, we sometimes communicate messages. And those messages may be saying, unless you're actually here, it doesn't count. If your social media is all about in-person events with no digital options, or your email is about all things they need to be present for at the church, we're still communicating that we must physically be near each other to a scared and stressed group of people who would probably rather not to some degree. Not to mention a pandemic that isn't quite over yet. We see this disconnect nowhere more prominently than in the HR department, not only of churches, but of nonprofits and businesses alike. As businesses experience the great, quote, resignation, the church runs parallel with its own version. Many pastors and staff members have wondered for years why some meetings couldn't simply have been an email, but now we know exactly which meetings could have been emails and what we can accomplish at the office and what we can't. And we saw just how much work could be done at home. As churches wrestle with remote work, digital ministry, and the rapid decline of men and women going into full-time ministry, maybe it's time for the church to address how we get the work, the ministry of the church done each week. For that, we've kind of noticed that there's a parallel in the nonprofit sector, and the trends that we're seeing there are going to run very closely to what we're going to experience or are experiencing in the church world. We see that in the hiring process play out every day, and that is why we've brought in our guest today, Uh, who sees that in real time. Megan, I'm excited about this conversation as we see what happens in the nonprofit. So um, 
Tell us who, who, are, who are we talking to today? Who are we talking to? Well, let me introduce our guest. I'm so excited to have her here today. Today, we are going to meet with Brooke Hodnefeld. So Brooke is the VP of Nonprofit Staffing and Coaching at Slingshot Group, and she brings 20 years of, of human resource experience, organizational and leadership development, missions, and coaching to her role at Slingshot. She's worked in for-profit, nonprofit, and the church world. She's also a master trainer of Unique, and Brooke, I'm so glad that you're here to talk with us today. Thanks, Megan. I'm thrilled to be here today. Brooke, do you want to tell us a little bit more about you from, from your perspective and what you do sure. at Slingshot specifically? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, I like to joke, I live in a frat house because I have all boys. Um, and so that keeps me very busy. So I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Um, I get to work with Slingshot and I just love what we get to do. We build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching with nonprofits and churches. So um, simply put, we get to partner with organizations um, really in their greatest season of transition, often with uh, leaders in the church and nonprofit space, but then also with candidates as well. So that's what I get to do. And as we said before, um, on the team at Slingshot, one of our friends been on the podcast before, Phil Battle is there. And, He's awesome. uh, and you guys, Phil. yeah, work together. So it's, it's really great. Um, so let, let's jump into this. The, you know, like, like we said, the, the church is experiencing this kind of effect of this great resignation, et cetera, uh, runs very parallel. You're over in like the nonprofit sector, working right. with faith-based nonprofits. Um, so you're helping churches as, as a group fill these spots. You're helping nonprofits do it as well. But in the church space, um, you know, you're searching for these positions. What's it really like? I mean, are people freaking out over nothing or is there really an effect happening? Like what's really going on? It's real, Seth. It's real. Um, I mean, it is harder probably than it's ever been before for church leaders and nonprofit leaders right now, because simply no one has been here before. Um, no one has walked these this path with this pandemic. And as much as we want it to be over and, you know, say post pandemic, we're still kind of in the pandemic to some degree, right. it still manifests, you know, in different ways in the context of church and nonprofit world. So people are just tired. Um, no one has mm -hmm. the, the real answer. So it's, um, it causes cracks to be exposed uh, in organizational unhealth and, and also just leaders that were kind of already on the brink um, has pushed yeah. some of them over the brink in terms of stepping out. How do you feel like leaders are responding to this? Like, are they listening to the pe the staff that are resigning and, and switching jobs? Are they raising pay? Are they offering remote work? Like what is it, like, what's that response looked like? Yeah. You know, I, I think the organizations um, and churches that are, are wise because they're being creative, they're being innovative. Um, they're being, I would say, just tolerant and grace-filled for the, just the time we find ourselves in, yeah. um, you know, I think they are being creative and those are, those are sometimes able, those people are able to keep people that way too, just by simply making some tweaks. Um, some organizations are just so over, overworked and understaffed. They're just simply trying to keep their head above water and yeah. don't have the eyes to hear. They don't have, they personally don't have the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. to even be able to, to encounter and engage around those kinds of concerns and issues. And it's too late, honestly, for some. Cause I noticed like there's, there's a lot of, like, you can't go to a fast food restaurant without seeing a help wanted sign. So um, I can imagine like in a skill position, like you might offer in a nonprofit or a church, how much longer it takes to hire that person, the, yeah. the process it goes through. 
um, yeah. taking forever. Is that is that there a fatigue involved there for for hiring? Yeah, there there certainly is. And just as maybe you're identifying one critical leadership role, you have another that transitions out, or there's something that's it's. I use the analogy of it's a hole, and there's mesh over this hole, and so you shovel in some some dirt to try to fill it up, but it just keeps going. Like it, it's hard to get like your bearings in that way because there's just so much transition everywhere. Um, and it's just, it is, you have to work harder and people are already tired. So mm-hmm. it's a challenge. That's a real big catch 22 because you, you know, at the, at the top of the loop, you need to dream big to think right. about, to be creative and to come up with innovative solutions, like you said, but then you're getting you're weighted by not having enough staff, but then because you don't have enough staff, you can't dream, but you can't dream because you can't get more people. And it's just, the cycle just continues. And it was already bad in the church too, when you're, cause I've, you know, Megan, you and I have both been on staff before it's, mm-hmm. there's already that tyranny of the urgent to get your head down and work and put out the fire and just, just survive yeah. kind of mentality. And so I can't imagine what it's like now with like really missing staff. Cause yeah. you got to pick up all that slack, you know, somebody yeah. has to. Totally. And there's role creep going on where, because someone else has stepped out, you're adding on to your plate, which is already too full. And then there's that confusion, there's redundancy and work. It's, it, it is, it's kind of a vicious cycle to yeah. be honest. So what obstacles are you seeing organizations face when it comes to embracing remote work? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I think that creep, like the work creep kind of plays into that a little bit, I'm sure, but yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The organizations and churches that were just postured well to make that jump that already had strong communication practices in place. They had either the people resources or they had the technical resources to do it. Some of them have done that seamlessly. They say, hey, we've actually improved our ability to communicate as a team. And then you have some that, oh my goodness, I mean, it has just been an uphill battle. They were just not ready for that. They weren't postured for that. I mean, if you think about it, it was an overnight thing. That that had to happen. And so people were scrambling to try to figure it out, piece it together. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concern about it's risky. Like how, how do we do this? How do we know what our people are doing? And, mm-hmm. and just some kind of, um, some people have capacity to have that understanding of what happens when you're working remotely. Others just simply don't. So, um, it, it just depends almost how the leadership's postured and then how the, really the resources you have to make that work. Yeah, I, I remember like when I was on staff that it was really a concern of leadership that they mm-hmm. see you there. Yeah. And that people see you there at the office doing work. And and I got to be honest, like having gone remote, I get more done in a day <laughs> than I did when I was in the office because there's so many distractions in the office. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like there's this this kind of mentality about work that in the church space, call it ministry or in the, in the nonprofit, call it the work, you know, you can do a lot at home or in the digital space, you know, are you seeing churches hire that position or positions or change their job descriptions around to kind of fit that? Or is that, or are we trying to still kind of go back to what we had? No, definitely. I mean, I think what, to your point, Seth, um, I think some churches just that is a value of theirs. It's deep in their, in their DNA that like, mm-hmm. you're not working unless you're physically there. And, and that's the case too, for some nonprofit organizations. We also partner with some that are completely virtual to begin with. And yeah. so we're hiring an executive director that's going to run an, a virtual organization 
in Honduras and Haiti and has stateside staff and it's like no big deal for them. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely, I think there's some roles that are more translatable into the remote and virtual environment. Um, it's specifically for the church. I mean, we're doing a lot more online campus pastors, any and all things in the digital, digital and comm space for sure. Right. Um, the strength of a virtual environment and as the strength of a virtual team is going to be based on communication. And mm -hmm. so that has just, there's been an uptick for that. Even, even around coaching on how to do that is yeah. something we're seeing too, because simply some, some churches just don't know how to do that very well and haven't had to. That's so, that's so true. Um, one, of, I, one of the things I've seen in this last two years, especially as we've had to shift is that man, the, Churches think that they communicate internally really well, and they are almost 100% of the time terrible at it and, so and, and don't know it. And, and that's what's causing a lot of the issues they face in that remote work or in that, you know, just even just getting a communication strategy in place. Yes. You know, yes. just even if things were fine and we were in the office and everybody had a comms director and we were trying to do what we normally did back in 2019. That was the issue I, and really kind of didn't know that until you have to force everybody into this new way of doing things that really requires good internal communication. Right. Yes. Um, we, we push that really hard at church comm team, like really trying to get churches to understand how to communicate internally. It's, it's a struggle. Yeah. Well, systems and dynamics and cultures for an in-person team versus a remote team are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> and communication is more challenging remotely. So if you were not good at that, in yeah. person, you're going to be really not good at that when you're yes. working remotely. And it's just a totally different world. You have to operate completely differently. You need to have a different system. You need to know where you're going to track conversations. You need to be able to, you know, manage projects visually online. And that's a totally yeah. different thing than just, Hey, let's go sit at my desk for a few minutes. Yeah. If, if it already was a small problem, it's now been exposed as a massive one. <laughs> the cracks, the cracks you were referring to at the beginning wow. of our conversation. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And do you feel like that's been part of that pushback from a lot of the leadership? They're like, we don't want to go remote because we're already bad at this. You know, like we don't want to have to get better at this or it's just too, too much. I think it's part of it is too much. Like they just can't conceive past the trees and the weeds that they're in. And so the idea of adding something new is just overwhelming, even though they desperately need it. And communication is so critical to doing everything well, but, it, but sometimes it's just, it's a, it's a lack of, um, of skill and just the knowledge to be able to make that happen and the people resources too. Cause if you look around, someone has to do it right. So you look around your team and if you don't already have it there, then it's the idea that you have to hire for it. And then that whole process and, you know, it's elevated. I think those with that already had this role to a different level and probably tax tax them in a way that they maybe weren't expecting to. Right. And, and you train people on this kind of stuff, right? So like, what yeah. are some of the things you're telling them? They're like, we have to get better at this internal communication. We have to get better at working with our remote employees so that we can have this culture because we've got to have some kind of system. What are some of the tips that you're giving them to, to help leaders get better at that? Yeah. I mean, part, I mean, part of our coaching offerings, which Phil's a perfect example, he would be one that has navigated this alongside other churches that are considering how do we do this well is like a communication audit 
just starting like, what do you have to start with? Got something, right? What's working? And then from that, what are your biggest gaps? Like, where are you trying to go? What's important to your church, your organization? Because it's not going to all change overnight, but you can probably do some small things that will have a great amount of impact. So um, it sounds simple, but just looking at where, what do you have to start with? Where do you want to go? And what's the gap there? Is it people? Is it technology? And then how do you prioritize that then from there? Yeah, we do that with church comp team as well. And it's like such a great start yeah. to a relationship to kind of go, here's what you really have and yeah. here's what you need. Right. And and you can't compare. It's so easy to look around at other churches and, mm-hmm. and organizations because you have access to all that, right? And people are doing that more so. So to look at all these things and think, gosh, there's all these things I should be doing. Um, but just to focus in on, okay, what do we do well? What's our what's our niche? What's our distinctives? And and really celebrate those things through through that process. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that we talked about before we started recording was this growing trend of um, bivocational pastors, bivocational employees, even that multiple people, even outside of the ministry and nonprofit sector are picking up, you know, you know, multiple roles instead of just focusing in on one full-time role. So do you have as this is growing, it's something that we're all probably everyone listening is dealing with to some extent, whether they're doing that personally or they're managing people who are wanting to do that or already doing that. Um, so do you have advice for leaders or employees that like want to have what we would call like a side hustle or, or freelance as like freelance as you work for a nonprofit? Like, what do you tell people who are looking to do that or or wanting to. Yeah. It, it's interesting because some, some organizations like in churches, that's how they roll. Like they absolutely outsource for particular things. They have contract 1099. Um, that's just something that they're used to their environment, their culture is it's just something that they do. Um, others, this could be completely like blow your mind. I don't know if we could even conceive of something like this. This is wrong. This is not good. Um, And I think it's just about having a transparent conversation and really kind of getting a sense of your culture and your environment to see if this is even something that is possible. And and I think it scares sometimes organizations. It's kind of a scarcity mentality. But often, if there is something that this individual is doing outside of their predominant, you know, work office or space, it's, it probably integrates with what they're doing most of their time. And so it actually can make them a stronger and more well-rounded employee working harder because they have outside experiences that are just helping build upon skill or experience too. So, um, there's different thought processes, you know, if I'm doing unique and selling mascara, (laughs) for example, (laughs) you know, I don't really feel like, yeah, for example, um, I don't really feel like that really supports necessarily my day-to-day work with nonprofit leaders and churches. However, unique gospel-centered life design, I'm walking alongside and coaching individuals through that. Like that just is a natural integration. So I think being able to tell a story, if you're trying to connect this you know, potential opportunity outside of your predominant organization or church, like make a case for it. Like, why is it going to make you a better employee? How is it going to help you grow? Um, so you just got to be a little bit, I think, more winsome in how you, you share that. And then organizations and churches have to look beyond kind of that fear, healthy leadership normally can allow their people to do these kinds of things and there'd be transparency um, cause they'll just look elsewhere if they feel like they can't do that. If, if right. an employee feels like they can't, if they're stifled in their ability to grow. Right. I love that you talked about the benefits of 
of working multiple roles and hybrid and hybrid roles. And I think, you know, I love the church. I love working for the church. I love working with the church, but it is so easy inside of ministry for it to creep into every aspect of your life and your day and your time. So can we talk about boundaries with, with having a hybrid role? Like how do you, one as a leader, make sure that you are leading people well and not in con, like in having conflicting boundaries for them. And then also as an employee, how do I maintain healthy boundaries so that I can focus on multiple priorities yeah. in the same, with the same amount of hours in the week? Yeah. Oh man. That's, I feel like that's a never ending struggle for, for anyone that's in leadership, right? I mean, this is, maintaining a healthy, being a healthy leader, because you're modeling it for those that are around you is, is challenging. And especially now where I feel like our, everything has gotten harder because there's just a, this taxing exterior of change going on all the time. And that's the only thing that's constant. So being able to, to navigate that well, um, is, is hard, but I would say for, for balance and boundaries, as it relates specifically to kind of like the the side hustle idea or bivocational, um, is really just giving yourself guardrails and being really transparent about that with all parties that you're involved with and, and just really protecting that. Um, I really feel like batching your time, blocking out your time, using the focus, like the simple things on your phone to do deep work, focused work, um, will allow you to actually spend time and feel permission to be in that space and time and be productive, but then move and be present to whatever else it is that you need to, to spend your time in. So, um, just being really wise about how you structure your time out ahead of the week, I think is really important and helpful in that. As somebody that I work with as a super tactical example that has multiple contract jobs and the way that she communicates with our team is she says, I I am available from 11 to one on Thursday. I'm available from nine to noon on Monday. And like, I know if I need to reach her, those are the times to reach her. Like it is very specific. It is very detailed. And I mean, she'll respond if I need to message her, like, you know, if I just message her or whatever, she might respond to something, but she's actively working on this job from yeah. these times. Um, and I love that. I think that's super helpful. That's great, great advice. I think in the church space, having, you know, being on staff, there's this culture of kind of, you got to be there when I need you because mm-hmm. there's such a, a culture of putting out fires. And so I think that might be what makes leaders, at least what I've seen expressed to me, it makes them nervous about this remote work idea or having a side hustle um, mm-hmm. or, or just you're not, you're not available whenever I need you yeah. or, you know, that you might not be there. If something bad happens, you can't be there to fix it uh, in, in that moment. Um, and I think with the digital space, you know, that's, it's reduced that quite a bit. There's just an unfamiliarity with how that kind of works. I mean, would, would you agree? I mean, you see that kind of response in some of that conversation? Absolutely. I think what you just said about it being unfamiliar, it's unknown. It's scary because it's unknown for, for people that haven't, you know, encroached in that kind of environment before. I think that's where, Megan, what you said about just clear communication and transparent and a solid communication system. So like, for example, we have, we have Slack that we use and we also have email and we also text and, but we also have a communication policy like, Hey, this is the communication medium you use for whichever scenario. So we keep it 
um, I think as healthy as possible. And so you're not pinging someone about something, you know, happy birthday, so-and-so that could be in a different and more appropriate place that let people do their job better and freeze them up to know, Hey, this is urgent. I need you. And we can hop on those truly urgent things that are on fire. It always amazes me how, how like unaware, I guess sometimes people can be, or we can be about like, oh, this probably wasn't the appropriate place or time for that. (laughs) So I think, yeah. So having those clear communication, what did you call the structure for for communication? Like, yes, we, we might say, well, that's a little overkill, but yeah, no, sir. It is not. (laughs) We do need that. And especially as people are doing more and more having their hands in multiple things. And, you know, you just, you got to have some, some, again, guardrails. You don't want it so tight that people feel like they can't wiggle around, but you need some guardrails and some guidelines that help just support a healthy, the best word, work-life balance, you know, that you can and time zones. Oh, the time zone thing. Oh, that yeah. is such a new challenge. Oh, it, it, it sure is. It is. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we use a lot of people, you know, that are in different parts of the country, parts of the world. Sure. And, and that is, you know, that's something that churches don't really have to deal with too much, but you know, in those creative spaces, you, if you're a church yeah. that's small and you're like, we don't have a designer. I mean, you can go to Upwork and Fiverr and find mm-hmm. people that you can like and work with that are remote. They might be in another part of the world, but that can be a teammate, you know, yeah. and you can get those things done and, and aff- in an affordable way. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of options there Totally going yeah. forward with remote work that churches have not quite scratched the surface of. Um, and I think that does, it does freak people out, you know, yeah. to, to <laughs> yes. like go, well, what does a guy who lives in Britain yeah. know about my church? Like whatever yeah. you tell him. <laughs> They're not one of us. Yeah. It's like, you could tell them about your church and I mean, it's design. There's some principles that are involved. They probably hit the target. If you give them new life and new breath to, to your team, don't even know that that's possible. Maybe so, you know, and you find that person you like working with or your web person. I mean, do you really have to be there on campus to be able to update your website? No. no. So there's things that we can do there that, uh, in, in managing that type, that type of team. But you're right. As we've said, it just takes a new set of like understanding how communication works. And, you know, you can't just send an email off to somebody and say, Hey, can you update this website with this detail? Yeah. And they go, well, there's a button there. What should that say? Or where should it go? You know, and what image do you want me to use to change this out? It's like, you got to learn how to tell people what you want them to do. Yeah. Um, Which is, which is a whole new skill set. Yeah. And being detailed. That's very true. We've made the joke earlier that, you know, there's a lot of meetings that could have been an email and it's a and, really good meme. It's yeah. And, <laughs> and we've, we've spent the last two years really fine tuning what that means for a lot of us in, in our organizations. Um, I actually think I had a pair of socks that said that, that I wore <laughs> to meetings. <laughs> and if it was real dumb, I would just lift up my pant yeah. leg. Oh. <laughs> This I, had a, I had a shirt <laughs> once that uh, I never wore because I, it just said, I'm sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. <laughs> so <There. laughs> I was like, you that's just my, like, that's a you just like, shirt. like, like vaguely unzip your, your hooded sweater. So like you can <laughs> kind of read it while you're in the meeting. Yeah, and, and as the meeting gets more and more boring, the shirt, the hoodie gets <laughs> oh. more and more open for more people to read it. Just let it all hang like, out. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of patience guys. Um, <laughs> So we know there's like, there's a lot of communication stuff that, 
you know, honestly, we've learned to communicate with Slack, email, uh, yeah. Discord, other places that we can go to uh, to work with each other and be in remote teams. But there's that ministry element mm. of, you know, the actual ministry with the people, the work, you know, the, the relationships, the stuff like For that. Sure. Um, as you're watching churches hire positions, what are you seeing them hire as the positions to, yeah. to handle that part? in in any digital capacity yeah. uh, and, and so in other words are they are they hiring positions that are meant to explore that digital ministry idea mm-hmm. uh, or or not what are, what are you seeing there i think i think this is where you have to know know your church and see where the greatest what now that the dust has settled a little bit like like for example, my church has this online digital community that did not exist pre-COVID. Well, we have that now. So how do we steward that well and take advantage of this new population that yes, we are back in worshiping together in person and those people have returned, but there's a big portion that are still in this digital space that are going to remain in that digital space. So I think being able to, again, kind of take stock and take inventory of now that the dust has settled again, slightly (laughs) still things are happening, but, um, but just not acknowledging like, where's the greatest concentration of people? What is the, what do you have there? What's the strength that you have within your team? Is there someone that is already predispositioned to steward that group and be, you know, in the midst of that group, or is it some, someone you need to hire from the outside that is a completely new role that you've not had yet before. So This is where we see the online campus pastors, all things digital. I would say also um, like groups, pastors, next steps, um, communicate or um, experience pastors, those kinds of community based onboarding new people that are stepping in to your church for the first time, whether it's your digital front door online or it's your true front door. Um, Those kinds of roles, I think, have been elevated in a way that we've not seen um, historically. Yeah, because we we realize like. You know, we were for years, you know, before 2020, pushing really hard in the comm space. Like, we got to get more online. Yeah. We got to do more digital. We got to be there. And then in 2020 happened is like, well, here you go. Here. That's all you got. And <laughs> yeah. so we're like, oh, my gosh. I think we realized what we could do and what we also couldn't do. And, yeah. and so as we looked into that space, we realized, I think, and, and you tell me if this is accurate for you, but I saw like, man, this is a full-time hired staff position almost to do ministry like it's an online pastor or as a online groups manager it's like that takes a lot of time to do that part that churches don't have staff for i think if they did not see that before and did not value that as a full-time role they're seeing it now because it just requires and demands that so it, it truly is like an extension another campus that really has its own culture and needs someone that can come in and be a part of that culture and just loves living in that space, which may look different than ministry played out in the physical, you know, church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to imagine that when this is going back to the history of the church, but I have to imagine that there were some pretty big tensions and shifts of thinking when church moved from meeting inside small groups inside of a home into a big building with dedicated staff and ministry leaders. And and I think I see the same thing happening now. Like there has to be some big shifts of thinking when it comes to how people earn trust with our church and yeah. how people are even aware that our church exists yeah. and how they experience our church for the first time. I think we have historically expected them to just come visit. 
Yeah. It's for a service. Yeah. And that's just not that I don't do that with anything now. I don't go to a restaurant by just walking in the doors and going, it looks, this looks, this looks good. I'm going to this one today. Yeah. yeah. I don't ever do that. I go to their website. I follow them on social media. I might even join their newsletter for a few yep. months. I go to Yelp. I look at reviews. Yeah. It's just a different, it's just a shift of thinking. Yeah. Um, and one good example of that is how doctors have kind of changed to this telehealth hmm. situation. Like I I meet with my doctor uh, via Zoom. What? You can do that? Like I would have never thought that would be a thing that I would be doing, but here I am. Megan, I did that too. And like, she was like, I, I had a sore throat. And she was like, open your mouth. I had to get right up on the camera and use my phone and shine a light down my throat so she could see clearly <laughs> into my throat to determine if it was, you know, what was going on. And I was like, right. What did we come to? <laughs> this is bonkers, man. I didn't think we'd right. ever get to the point where we could do this. Right. Star, Star Trek was wild. right. <laughs> and, the Jets, and the Jetsons. And the Where's Jetsons. They were headed. right. They were so right. That's where we're headed. So what are some ways that's like, that's a, you know, kind of random example, but what are some ways that you're seeing that churches can adopt um, using digital tools to do ministry? Like that's a, a kind of, was that something that we're like, oh, that will never happen yet. Here we are. So this is where I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute on some of those dreams can actually do that. Like this is where you have the chance to fail forward. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, and it's true that we've been able to see the churches and organizations that have embraced this as opportunity and like a time, let's do something totally out of the box, crazy. We would never do before. And they're like, wow, that was super successful. And we're going to do it again next time. And it's not going to look like anything it ever has before. Um, The churches and nonprofits that have frozen and had this like, well, we'll just wait this out. And we'll go back to our old ways as soon as this is done. Those are the ones that are suffering. They're struggling. People are past that. And so they're not looking for what used to be. They're looking for, okay, what did you do with this time? And what can I jump into? Because like you said, Megan, you you do the research. You're gonna, you have opportunity to, to go out and do your own discovery before you ever even engage with something. So people have a lot of options now yeah. too. It reminds me of a story, you know, that Jesus told about <laughs> how a, an owner gave an amount of money to three different there you servants. Go. How do you invest it? It's so true. Ten, he gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. And the okay. one who had one buried it in the ground, did nothing with it. And he was called a wicked servant, right? That's a wicked so, lazy servant. I think that is a, a good analogy. I think that's a great answer for uh for what can churches do i know that some churches that i've I've experienced working with or just know they they've started more of a counseling ministry or working with counselors and so they're actually using digital tools to actually set up appointments for members and and advertising for it like hey go talk to a counselor here's our people that we know that we trust you know that sort of thing and those counselors are able to meet with people online before they ever have them come into the office or if that's all they're doing they can do that because i know telehealth has been a big deal um, but churches are getting creative about that kind of stuff, like you said, and they're they're just trying things. And I think that's amazing. It's an amazing mm-hmm. time for the church right now for that. It is. Here's some interesting data that came out recently from the Unstuck group, Tony Morgan. Yeah. They really just released their Q4 report for 2021. And they said that online service views were up 205% wow. in Q4. 
205%. But here's the part that's interesting to me. New people added to the church database is down 18%, mm. which tells me that we're, we have a system problem. Yeah. yeah. We have a, we have people coming to us. They're walking in our digital front door yeah. and we are not saying hello. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. This, this is the stewardship of that group. The investment of what, what do these people need differently that the church body that is physically here and, and are we speaking to them and addressing them directly in our services as we're communicating? Is it like you guys said too, does the email and your, your events just lend itself for someone that's on site in person? Cause you just got to think creatively. Going back to your communication, do your clear communication strategy. Are you doing, are you saying the right thing in the right place at the right time? Right. Yeah. It's totally different. It's a whole different world. And you can't operate with meeting your first time attenders online the same way you do when you're meeting your first time attenders in person. Totally. Different yeah. strategy. Yeah. Getting into the hiring and firing and the resigning and all that, that sort of side of things. Um, you know, the church, like you said earlier, is experiencing that resignation as well. What are some of the things that when employees are resigning from positions, maybe pastors are even resigning, leaving the church, um, or like the youth pastor is moving on to something else or the worship pastor. What are some of the things that you're saying as, as reasons why they're doing that? Um, are you hearing kind of the, the, the issue? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of what I've spoke of earlier as people are overworked there. It's understaffed. Um, they're just exhausted, mental health, um, boundary issues. Um, it, it's all the things that have kind of almost pushed people to their edge. And, and for those that were even, you know, maybe a year or two, three years out from, um, retiring, it's like, what, what better time now? I don't have enough left in me to keep going. Cause it's what I already was doing was already hard. And I was transitioning, you know, to kind of a, a lesser in deeply invested stage to like, man, this is, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. I think we saw a lot of teachers do that too. Uh, that were, that were near retirement and they were like, Done. absolutely. They're already, they were already abused, but yeah. and I live in Texas. I don't know if you know anything about Texas education, not mm -hmm. awesome here. <laughs> so uh very, very big struggle for teachers here. Um, And so a lot of them are like, you know what? I'm close to retirement. I'm done. Yeah. And they do it like in the middle of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. If people were already close to burnout, this really pushed people into burnout. You know, it just, again, it just exposed that in a way that, um, and people had this taste, this like beautiful moment where everyone, everything had to cease, right? We all were in that for some, some longer than others, depending upon where you lived. But it, for, for some people, I think they tasted this and they had a chance to like really step back and say, is what I'm doing healthy? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? Is this where God's called me right now? And we've had so many conversations with people just simply around that, like even switching lanes between church and nonprofit or a marketplace leader. That's like, I'm done being in the corporate world. And I want to give my financial gifts as like a CFO within a church or a nonprofit, like that the conversation just, it gave people a place to like recalibrate and consider like, could this be done differently? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, you know, as we, we reframe kind of what ministry looks like, you know, that there was a story, uh, I saw somebody post something in a Facebook group. He was a pastor and he was like, I'm leaving my church. I'm resigning and I'm going to be a teacher. You know, ironically enough, as we've just been talking about that, he actually went to be a teacher and said, 
I'm, I'm seeing God move and do more ministry as a teacher than I did even as a pastor. And so some of the comments were like, congratulations, way to go. But then some were like, it's really sad that we're leaving the church. And mm. I'm kind of like, I think there's a, I think there's room for sure for this idea that being a pastor and, and working somewhere else or seeing ministry as some other position or job, maybe a nonprofit, maybe a, you know, a teacher or, or even like in sales, you know, finding your role there as a minister for, for worship, for a worship leader or a youth pastor. I think they're starting to see that, especially that creative stuff going on into the creative field. Um, are you seeing a lot of people kind of do that? Yeah. Uh, it just made me think our, one of our founders, Stan Endicott says that, you know, that you're encroaching on burnout. If you go to home Depot and you envy the home Depot person that's there working, you know, you just like, you just long to be in a place that, and not to say that's not a challenging job, but you know, just a different mental space. People are, I think are dreaming differently, but they're also, um, considering what's possible. Um, and been given kind of the brain space to do that, even if momentarily, or they're like pushed out of whatever they're doing. Cause they just have to escape. They just, mm-hmm. there's, if they know they have to provide for their family or they, they know that they have, you know, 20 more years to work. How can I do this differently? Cause this is going to be the end of me kind of or, thing. Or it's like, I got 20 more years to work. Why would I spend it doing something like that? I don't really enjoy or like, or feel terrible about, you know, and yes. sometimes, you know, church can be a toxic environment sometimes for for staff members, if it's not yeah. well-led, yeah. um, you know, and I, I'll tell you that when I was in seminary and worked at U-Haul as, as one of the yard guys cleaning up trucks and bringing trucks around and doing that sort of thing, I talked to people about Jesus and that job mm-hmm. so much. I felt really good about the ministry being done there. And just, I think there's just needs to be room for that. I think there's a, yeah. you know, in the small church, I think being bivocational as a leader is a little more common. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there seems to be a growing movement of people that are like seeking out bivocational. Like, yeah. I just don't want to be completely working in one in the church job. I want to yeah. work there and somewhere else. Is that yeah. happening? For sure. And I mean, it just makes me think, you know, like Ephesians 2.10, like, God's created each of us with good works to do. It's already planned out. It's going and finding those good works. And it doesn't mean you have to be a pastor to be doing works and to be doing ministry. So I think it's almost redefining what that looks like in the context of how, how God has called you, created you, where, how are you hardwired and how can you translate that to be able to utilize that to your fullest? And so people are kind of tapping into, Hey, I have this gift that I've never been able to exercise in, you know, said job or role. So how do, how do I be able to utilize that muscle and actually do that for good and for ministry and mission? And, um, I mean, we get people all the time that are just like, help me, help me even understand if this is possible, you know, candidates that are just kind of grappling with those questions and, and really even organizations that are dreaming about roles that they've not had before. Like, is this possible? Would this be a, this is a non-traditional idea for a church or, or a nonprofit, but we see this as the future. Does someone out there exist like that, that would want to work for us? You know, it's um, such an interesting, fun. like reshuffling of yeah. how, how we structure organizations and how we hire people 
do like what advice do you have for organizations who are looking to hire now? Like what what should they be think how should they be thinking differently? Should they structure their job descriptions differently? Like right? Like what what would you say to people who are who have three roles they need to fill or or even just one really important one? Yeah, that's a great question and what I love about the way we work um, is there's this intersection of searching and coaching that comes together for us. So when we step in, you know, ultimately we've been hired to find a leader, a critical leadership need, but often it's, Hey, have you looked at what you've got? Have you defined that description where it really is going to draw in the right kind of candidate? Do you even know what you're looking for? So there's this really, we point people back to their mission. Like, why are you here? Mm -hmm. Do you have the people right now that you need to do that? And if not, what are those areas of either competency or soft skills, or is it a cultural thing, chemistry? What do you need to further your mission? And then how do you define that? So it attracts the right kind of people and, and really clearly articulate that because oftentimes organizations know they have a gap, but they don't know exactly how to define it. And even there may be sitting within their midst, someone that could fulfill that role and do that really well. Um, so it's kind of building blocks kind of stuff where you just look at almost an audit, an organizational audit to some you, degree. When you do those audits, do you find a lot of churches are overstaffed or understaffed? It, it kind of just depends. I mean, more often than not, I would say maybe overstaffed, but with the wrong people in the wrong places. Yeah. More incorrectly staffed. Incorrectly staffed. So like if you think of the school bus, you know, it's like people are in the wrong spot or someone's full-time that should be part-time or someone's part-time that should be full-time, you know, just kind of that whole organizational overhaul. The Jim Collins, good to great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or, or understaffed, um, but maybe overstaffed in the wrong areas or, yeah. you know, it, it's hard once you start that kind of down that path, it's hard to do a complete overhaul, you know, uh, uh, in terms of shuffling those things around. It takes time yeah. um, to, to do that. But often, honestly, the mission gets kind of forgotten and it's mm. just whatever's on fire. It's like, well, let's hire for that. Let's put a bandaid over it by yeah. hiring whatever. Um, but then that still, you know, does that really further our mission. Yeah. It's sometimes, yeah. sometimes you kind of just, there's when something catches on fire, the mission helps you decide whether or not you should just let it burn. Yeah. And, oh. and that's a yes. hard thing to do. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yes. 100%. You got to let some things go. Cause, cause you just can't do it all. And, and you don't ha- you have a limited amount of resources to hire a limited amount of resources for resource for tools. And, yeah. um, you know, as a, as a leader, you're kind of at the top and, and let's just be honest, many, many pastors who are in charge of the church's budget have no idea about finances. They don't have training. It's very difficult. Yeah. Maybe they're not good at it. Yeah. I know if I were in charge of finances for a, for a whole church, we would be in so much trouble. <laughs> be in the hole. <laughs> yeah. And so hopefully they have people around them. Obviously they put people on our boards and stuff to do that, yeah. but, but still, um, so you do a lot of coaching mm-hmm. as well. And I wanted to get into that just real quick as we wrap up, yeah. um, who do you coach and, and, and what kind of coaching are you, do you guys do? Or yeah. do, you, do you do specifically? Yeah. And coaching is like this big catch-all bucket. I feel like that as you think of coaching, people think of a bajillion different things, but right. Specific to Slingshot, um, we kind of have three main areas. So we do succession coaching, which is a major leadership transition in the church, in the nonprofit space. So that's coming alongside a board, elders, um, key leaders, the 
current lead pastor, CEO, founder that's going to be transitioning out and helping them do that with honor, with grace, with dignity, but also serving the organization or church really well through that process. So that's something that we do um, succession coaching. Launch is our onboarding coaching. It's a 90-day six sessions where we're basically helping that new hire lean in, leverage, and lead and offer value sooner than they would if they were just to be dumped off in the HR office, maybe with their computer, maybe not um, (laughs) on their first day on the job. So we just, we help facilitate that process. So it's not an isolated, like we are working with the the new hire, but we're actually facilitating um, conversation and relationship with the new hire and their supervisor. So helping them kind of understand how to do that and get to the heart of how do we, how do I get to know this organization, build relationships sooner and contribute sooner too in that way. I imagine that's a really huge, huge transition. That's like the biggest you could have. Yes. Yeah. And and it just, you know, onboarding, let's just be honest. It's, it's hard to find organizations and churches that just do that really well. Like it's, it's often overlooked, but it, within the first 90 days, you can really know whether or not someone's going to stay for the long haul and that's retention and that's dollars and that's time. And it's, you know, it's just, just a critical time um, in the organization and church's life and that, that particular person's. I've actually been part of the slingshot uh, transition experience oh, before. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I was at a church and we, we had a pastor that'd been there since almost the beginning of it, 25 or so years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, we're hiring on a new yeah. pastor. So you helped us find a pastor and then transition him in, and then that pastor transitioned out, and it was incredibly smooth. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was very well done. And actually, I'm I'm producing a podcast for the ex pastor now. And, oh, that's you know, cool. So it's 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 a great yeah uh, ministry to a church to do that well. Yeah. So I can personally vouch for the fact that you guys do that that's really really cool. well. Brooke, thank you so much for yeah, coming on the show. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, this, this is fantastic. Um, we're going to put a, a ton of links for different things that we've kind of hit on and talked about, uh, cool. social media links and things like that in, in um, like Slingshot Group, at Slingshot Group on Instagram uh, and, and Facebook, I believe, as well. Uh, LinkedIn, all those links for you guys to get connected. But you can also go to slingshotgroup.org uh, and then slash coaching if you're interested in the coaching uh, part. But there's several different places that they can help you with your church. Um, and so we'll put all those in the show notes and nonprofits <laughs> and nonprofits for sure. Oh, we do yes, both for, for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't know that about slingshot that you guys work with the nonprofit. You said it was kind of new. Yeah, it's our, it's our newest division. 2015 is when, um, our nonprofit okay. division was established and, um, yeah, we work with all different organizations, shapes, sizes, um, some international, some regional, local community-based, you name it, parachurch. Um, it's really fun to get to walk alongside nonprofits as we do churches too. So, yeah, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I just want to say thanks for coming again. And, yeah. uh, thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, our pleasure. Really appreciate the conversation. Really great insights to what's going on as we reframe what ministry looks like, what work looks like for the church and for nonprofits and for the whole world, really, uh, that, that we live with in right now. And, uh, so that's really, really great. So thank you again. For sure. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. We'll be back very soon with another great episode. So if you're in communications, church leadership, uh, we would love to be your friend. So follow us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back, be back very soon. Thanks. Have a good one.